Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Melting Pot, hosted by J.D. Kuchta. Tune in weekly, every Friday, to hear various sports topics with various guests. You can find weekly episodes wherever you find your podcast, as well as on his website with blog posts going more in-depth with each topic. Take it away, J.D. Welcome back, everyone, to The Melting Pot. I'm your host, J.D. Kuchta. Joining me today, a familiar voice the creator and voiceover for the intro of The Melting Pot, Chloe. Tell us a little bit about yourself, getting right into things. Well, I'm a weird mix between a junior and a senior here at Piedmont. I'm a double major in mass comm and sport comm, and I am a member of the women's soccer team. And as of today that we're filming, we start conference today. So I'm excited. I'm just, I'm in a good mood overall. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to talk soccer because that's kind of what I do. So we're going to get things kicked off. I didn't mention earlier, but today's topic is soccer. We're going to in-depth three different three different conferences. We're going to be talking about the Champions League, the English Premier League, and of course, you have to at this point in this day and age, the MLS. So we're going to kick things off with the Premier League. Man City is on a tear, as you mentioned before we started the show. They are the single best team in the world. I don't know the last time. I, in world football, we could say the best team in the world didn't come from Spain. It wasn't a Barcelona. It wasn't a Real Madrid. It wasn't a Juve or anyone uh, in the other top five leagues. It's an English team. Premier League is, I mean, the Premier League is the place to be in Man City. They won the treble last year of their first five games. They've got uh, 15 points. It's ridiculous. They're they're phenomenal. Well, I want to I jump in real quick. Um, you said the last time we couldn't tell a team was, like, from – Anywhere besides Barcelona or Spain. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain. There, I mean, so, that's French. That's France. Yeah, here's the thing. I always call the French League a farmer's league. They're so... The French League, outside of PSG, they're so bad. They're yeah. just completely so mid of mid of mid. They're really not great. And I think that's... uh The only thing they really have is, is a bunch of uh, Saudi Arabian oil owners that just fund money into it but they don't have a good coach they don't have uh you know proper they just they're just not a proper side there's just a bunch of guys that go there for money and of course they you know they're competitors they go out and they try and win but they just you think about they had the Mbappe Neymar and Messi connection for the past I want to say three or four years they were trying to win a Champions League they can win as many French titles as they want but at the end of the day you want to prove that you're the best team in Europe and They've just failed to do that. They've not had a good coaching. They've had players. They've struggled to manage egos. As long as they're just a money a money team, they'll never they'll never succeed. They're trying to emulate what Man City have done because they're also a side with Saudi Arabian oil owners. What What's a little surprising to me right now is looking at it like Arsenal, Liverpool, and Tottenham at the top of the table currently. Like with each of them, or Tottenham and Liverpool. Plus eight goal differential? Are those two really just that good, or have they been playing a little EPL cupcakes? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, the thing about the Premier League that's unique to any other league in the in the world is that anyone can be anyone. You don't, you know, we just talked about the French League. You're not going to see Nice come out and just absolutely spank PSG. You're not going to see that. Same with uh, the German League. You might see a Bayer Leverkusen come out every 
five years and get a result against Dortmund, but they're not going to do it against Bayern. You know, they've got good sides, but the Premier League is a different breed. Premier League's just like pretty much like a couple of years ago, remember when uh, they were talking about that Super League? That's pretty much all it is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, everyone can be everyone. This is without a doubt the best league in the world. You think about, uh, I want to say it's almost 10 years ago. I think next year would make it 10 years. It was uh, Leicester City won the Premier League, and that was just, I mean, anything can happen in the Premier League, and that's why we're seeing uh, a lot of these, like, sides that, you know, should finish top ten but won't break the top six. You're seeing them be successful. My team, West Ham, we are, we were undefeated until we had recently just played Man City. I mean, and we but played. I mean, Man City, there's exactly. just no stopping Holland. That man can crank it from, what, 40 out? I mean, he's he's phenomenal. He should win the Ballon d'Or, but that's a whole different story. But, I mean, yeah, the Premier League, you think about Brighton, you think about West Ham, you think about Aston Villa. These are three sides that are really, really doing well. Aston, or West Ham just won the Europa Conference League last year. Brighton, or pardon me, uh, Newcastle last year finished third or fourth, I want to say, and they're in a Champions League spot, which we'll talk about later. But, man, the, the Premier League is on fire right now, and it, you, you have to be watching it if you're not. I'm not really a huge soccer fan, but I mean, looking at some of the slate of the games that we have coming on today for EPL, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm taking a look at some of the games right now. One to watch, honestly, is Chelsea versus Aston Villa. Chelsea are on a decline. They've been on a decline for a while. Meanwhile, Aston Villa are on the up. They're doing great. Another team to watch, another game to watch, pardon me, is uh, the North London Derby. Arsenal versus Tottenham. That is Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Oh, I'm so excited for that one. Unfortunately, it will be at the same time as Liverpool-West Ham, so I know what I'll be watching Ooh, just because. That, that's, that's a tough choice. Uh, but, yeah, you're a West Ham fan. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, it's so good. I love the. I'm smiling just thinking about all these games. I love the Premier League so much. I'm, I'm actually excited that soccer is back. Oh, soccer? I, 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 just, mean, I just mean soccer in general is back. We got... Champions League kicking off on Monday, or that kicked off on Monday, um, 12.45, AC Milan versus Newcastle. I am beyond excited for, we, we could just, honestly, we could just talk about that group. It is AC Milan, it's Newcastle, it's PSG, and it's Dortmund. That is the, a group of death if I have ever seen one. It is not just a group of death, it is a group of hell. It is not just a group of death. It is a group of execution. That is insane. One of the best groups I've ever seen. I mean, on the topic of AC Milan, um, I was reading through some of the soccer news earlier um, on the 19th, and um, they're, I don't know, they're, they're very hesitant on Christian Pulisic. Well, I mean, he's come in uh, in preseason, at least. He did really well. I think he scored on his debut, got a couple assists. He's been performing well. He was just a guy that was out of form and was out of favor with the manager at Chelsea. He uh, has come to a good side in AC Milan. Italian football is where it's at. It's a very good – I think it's really underrated, uh, especially because the Italian national team has been underachieving a lot in the past few years. But in general, I think it's a really – for. Pulisic, I think it's a really good move for him, and he's starting to get good minutes, and he can really become a guy in favor, and that's favorable for not just the staff at Milan, but a lot of the fans. I was looking at his stats like a little earlier, too. Um, through four matches, he's already got two goals. That's not bad at all, especially for 
um, a midfielder. Yeah. No, he's doing great, especially he's an attacking guy. He's always trying to create chances, not just the goals. He's got a couple assists as well, I'm pretty sure. So he's, I mean, he's killing it. I'm excited. I'm happy to see him back because yeah. the last two years he spent at Chelsea, he was just really struggling after a strong start he had there. But. Well, I wouldn't even say he was struggling. I'd say in general the entire team was struggling because Chelsea recently, if you look, literally just dropped ship. Oh, they're, so- they jumped ship. They got rid of everyone. Um, and now they're tanking and I don't, I don't, Chelsea just isn't the classic Chelsea that we're used to seeing. Yeah. A lot of it has to do. So whenever, believe it or not, this really, these do go hand in hand. Whenever Russia invaded Ukraine, everyone, especially in the footballing world was trying to create sanctions against Russia, just punish them as much as they can. The owner of Chelsea was a Russian gagillionaire and because he had ties to Russia and the Russian government, the U- the United Kingdom government suspended all the assets of uh, Roman Abramovich, who's the who was the owner of Chelsea. Because they suspended his assets, he had no money, which means he couldn't spend anything. And because he owned the football club, he and he was a great owner, phenomenal owner. He turned Chelsea around, but he said, "I love this club. I, I as long as." Uh, Russia's at war. I can't be of any help of any service. So he had to sell the club, sold it to uh, an American, an American gagillionaire, and he has just struggled. He's. I don't think he truly knows what he's supposed to be doing at the head of such a high-profile football club. He's uh, the owner. I want to say of the Denver Broncos as well, or he's got some stake in there as well. But he just doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing at Chelsea, and they're, they've really been struggling. They spent so much money this summer close to a billion dollars i'm pretty sure and uh, i mean i'm not i'm i'm gonna jump in real quick but for what like no one's no one's performing at a great no they're not they're not performing at all like even last year like close matches and just out of nowhere it just seems like they'd get blown out of the water in my west ham just recently we beat them 3-1 and they just were horrible. Their record signing, Moises Caicedo, which first of all, should they should never in life have paid that much for Moises Caicedo. It was almost 200 mil, I'm pretty sure. It, ridiculous signing. And they did it just because Brighton knew that they could snake them out for as much money as possible. Now he comes in, he has all this pressure on his shoulders, and he lost the game for them. Just in the world of transfer talk, as we're on it right now, um, did you see that uh, Ramsdale got released by Arsenal? Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, he just went somewhere, too. He got picked up. He's a great, great goalkeeper. Apparently, um, Chelsea and Bayern Munich are monitoring him right now, monitoring the situation to see if they can pick him up. Yeah, Bayern are going for a lot of English players right I now. Mean, I mean, yeah. Which is really, really unlike unlike a German and, side. Uh, uh, Kane? Yeah, Kane's there. He's killing it. Yeah, Kane's killing it there. But like, it's it's shocking, like. English players, which is kind of surprising. Normally, they'll go for, like, Spain. Yeah, well, I mean, there's an English bias against English players. For some reason, everyone just hates England. It's the same way everyone hates the U.S. There's a real English bias. A lot of the – you have to be a phenomenal player, an absolutely stellar player to go out and perform overseas. One guy in particular, Jude Bellingham, for Real Madrid right now. He's one of the young starlets for Madrid and for England. I want to say he's about our age. I want to say he's 
no older than 22. That's crazy. Yeah, he's he's doing great, and he's scored goal on top of goal on top of goal for them. We are going to take a short break. We will be right back, and after that, me and Chloe are going to talk about the MLS and how Messi has really helped grow the American soccer scene ever since getting over to America from PSG. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Well, check out Basketball and BS with Jarrett Ray and Chris Donsero. This show is giving you everything NBA on and off the court. So, if you're a basketball fan, go check out Basketball and BS with Jarrett Ray and Chris Donsero. Find Basketball and BS on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm J.D. Kutcha. Once again, joining me today, Chloe Spradlin. We're going to jump right back into the talk of soccer with MLS. How do we feel about the MLS scene right now, Chloe? Well, the MLS scene was completely broken up after Messi joined Inter-Miami. Uh, I think it's – the thing about MLS is that it's so inconsistent. You have, obviously, I mean, you have your historically good teams, but – it's not like where we were talking about Premier League where you have your top six. This is your core teams. They're more than likely always going to finish in that top six, at minimum top seven, uh, minus Chelsea right now. But um, the thing about MLS is anyone can show up at any time. So right now Cincinnati is the number one team in the East, but in the past Cincinnati have been one of the worst teams, especially since they came into the league. I want to say – uh, in 2018 or 19 was their first year in the league, and now they're just killing it. They're 58 points. They're eight points uh, clear of Orlando City in second place. Um, another one, at our own Atlanta United, are very wishy-washy, but when they first came into the league in 2017, they were phenomenal. They were the best team, one of the best teams we've ever seen in the league. So it's um, you can never really predict what's going to happen in the MLS. I, I agree. It, you know, f- to a certain point, coming from me as someone who doesn't really like watch soccer and like pay attention to it, like it's the holy grail, um, it reminds me of NFL football a little bit, where anybody can beat anybody pretty much. Yeah, um, unless, unless you're a team, you know, who's tanking. But I will say, lately, like it's blown up. I've found myself paying a little bit more attention to it ever since Messi's come over, just because Messi is one of my favorite players of all time like i know that seems stereotypical to say like most commonly well-known player but i'm i just love his style of play so calm cool and collected paces himself he'll walk around the field analyzes it and then when it's go time it's go time i love that but i mean with messi coming over blowing it up there's also another player that we can't leave out who's helping blow up mls in america Sergio Busquets. Oh, Busquets is going crazy. Busquets is there. Out, Jordi Alba's there. The thing that and it frustrates me a little bit because it just reinforces the stereotype about MLS. Inner Miami right now has just become a Barcelona 2. retirement 0. home. Yeah, yeah. Not. I don't even know if it's a retirement home or if it's just a retirement party. Because I mean, they're going there and they're just kicking the balls around for fun. And they are running rings around every single team they're playing. But. I know that's the case, but also at the same time, look at what they're doing to the other players 
who aren't as big names as Busquez, Messi, and like and Alba. They're making the other players around them bet better. Jordan Taylor, for example, him and Messi so far in the League Cup while watching them have been an absolute tear. Those two combined were just working and making magic happen. One thing I've seen um, from Inter Miami this year is they look like 2016 Barcelona. Yeah, and it's just, and that's another thing that it's nice to see, especially it's refreshing to watch an MLS, especially a, a league that I want to support and I want to get better and I want it to be, uh, you know, one of the bigger leagues in the world and respected, especially in Europe. But it does frustrate me just, it's, it's a retirement league. That's what everyone has said. It. They go there, or these world beater players go to the MLS for money. Uh, initially, that was supposed to be how it was for Zlatan, and then he went back to Italy, and then that's uh, how it was for Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney, um, not to mention David Beckham, who really made the MLS what it is today. And, of course, he's the owner of Inter-Miami. Uh, it's, it's – I wish – it's nice to see the MLS getting as much popularity as it is, but I don't like it that it's just reinforcing the fact that it is a retirement league because we all know that Busquets, Alba, and Messi are going to be done after this. And they're just kind of, you know, they got a bag chasing the money, and they said, all right, so in a couple of years they said, all right, that was great, see you later. But also one thing I want to say is I think Messi will stick around and help grow MLS. I would love if he Because could. him him and Beckham have are starting to become pretty good friends. And I think he might end up joining management at Inter Miami when he's done playing. I don't know what Messi will do when he's done playing. The thing about Messi, or will is he Messi's create his Messi. own team? No, he definitely wouldn't do that. Messi's just you sure Messi. because there's one spot left in the in the Western to make 30 teams total. I don't know. I I can't. If if it were somewhere in the West, it would have to be like a like another LA side or like a san diego side it would have to be somewhere that's because messi's not gonna mm, i'm bored let me go to kansas city what about denver denver yeah denver's not glamorous enough i don't know i think another like you would never see kansas city going in to bid for messi you wouldn't see cincinnati going in to bid for messi it has to be one of these star quality cities like Miami, maybe New York. I think New York would just be a little too much for a foreigner. Um I just don't see Messi in New York. I yeah, I, I know. It doesn't I, it doesn't fit him. Like yeah. him even being in the United States is just weird. Miami makes sense. I mean it's a huge uh yeah. Latina area Latin area, but um I don't know. Messi in the U in, in the US is simply Is there weird. a team in oh there is. There is a team in uh Texas, Houston. Yes. Now, what if he makes a team in – oh, there's already a team in Dallas. Never mind. That shoots down my two ideas that I was thinking where he was going to go. But anyways, I, th- I I love what he's been doing with the MLS, though. A lot more attention has been coming out of it and more news. It's definitely taken hockey spot as the fourth biggest sport in America, and I love to see that. I agree a thousand percent. I'm surprised that you love to see that, especially with how much you love hockey. But as a soccer fan, someone that has grown up watching soccer, of course, I've been playing for almost 19 years at this point. Wow, I'm old. Uh, it's it's great to see how popular soccer is becoming, not just um, 
locally but also globally people are watching soccer people are wanting to buy merch wanting to go to games wanting to travel to games investing in their local teams and investing putting their kids in soccer putting i mean the United States, think about it. If we had all of our best athletes and they became soccer players, imagine the world beaters that the United States on the global or the international stage would be. Think about it because Odell Beckham Jr. used to play soccer, and he was very good at it yeah. as well. There's a lot of people that went out and uh, instead of doing soccer, they went to play football, they went to play basketball, they went to play baseball. Um, hockey, even. Yeah, even hot. Yeah, there's a lot of – I think we could really, really – we would have to change the fundamentals of our U.S. Soccer Federation and our youth system, which that's a whole conversation. In, in which I think it's slowly starting to change with MLS teams creating these academy teams, kind of similar to what um, teams in Europe are doing. Um, I know Inter Miami already has one, and Thiago Messi, Messi's son, already plays on it. All right, that's going to do it all for the MLS talk. Uh, we're going to take one more short break, and then we'll be back to talk about Ballon Doors, the Heisman Trophy of Soccer. Looking for a radio show? Well, I know a really good one, and it's... Tune in to Wake Up with J-Ray and A-B every Friday morning at 9 sharp for the latest world news, celebrity gossip, and the hottest hip-hop and R&B hits you could ever ask for. So be sure to check out Wake Up every Friday morning, only on WPCZ. LP FM, Demers, Z98.7 FM, the student-run radio station at Piedmont University. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to finish up today's show with talking about the Ballon d'Or race. Let's be honest, Chloe. It comes down to two people. Yeah. Holland, Messi. No one else has a chance. No one else. Uh, uh, it'd be the shock of the world if anyone else won it but i'm i'm it this has to be holland as long everyone loves messi everyone wants messi to be this this and that go off on a high note it has to be holland no one in history has had a year like holland i mean i'll agree with you on that one but messi's just messy he's he hasn't played a lot in the mls i know but um He's still just consistently scoring. He's still being that assist god that he's been throughout his entire career. No, 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 no. Just because Messi came and won a World Cup, which is, let me say, I'm making that sound easy. It is extremely difficult to win a World Cup. I mean, he's been trying to do it for years now. He tried in 2014. He went to the final and lost to Germany. Congratulations to Messi for winning that World Cup. But what Holland did this year has been has never been seen before. Erling Holland in scored 48 goals in 36 matches. That is ridiculous. He won the treble. That's actually crazy. That's ridiculous. We have never seen that before. He won the treble, the Premier League, the Champions League, and the League Cup with Man City. Has never been seen before. He is one of the best players we have ever seen, and he is in a team that is allowing him to succeed he's got the best coach in the world Pep Guardiola this has to go to Holland as especially he's so young at 23 years old to be doing all this this is incredible but I mean I I saw an interesting stat when Messi was 24 he already had what six seven Ballon d'Ors or no he had six I think he was up there but 
now it's Messi preventing every other person from winning it. Is I, I believe Messi's just that good. He is that good, but there's a Messi bias in the media and with FIFA. It, it's unfair. It would be so extremely unfair to Erling Holland to have one of the best seasons we have ever seen, especially in modern football. How difficult that is, and to not win the coveted prize of the Ballon d'Or. But I mean, Messi in general, like even if you look at like. The 2022 World Cup, he went crazy. He did, without a doubt. And that's, and like I said, that is extremely difficult to do, and I'm not doubting the excellence that is Leo Messi. But that's one tournament. This is throughout an entire season. The Ballon d'Or looks through an entire season. And Erling Holland, let me say it again, 48 goals in 36 appearances. That is unheard of, unbeknownst to the modern footballing world. That is ridiculous. He has to win it. It would be a crime if Erling Holland did not win the Ballon d'Or. But, I mean, you also can't deny what Messi's come in and done in Inter Miami. He's He took a team that has gone from... who was literally last in the MLS, not even contending for a playoff spot, to winning the League's Cup. I think it, I think it would be very harsh to take a look at about a month and a half span and discredit an entire season worth of what Holland has done. The treble, 48 goals and 36 appearances. And being as good of a player as he is, and he could have had more as well, that's uncred- it's, it's unseen, unheard of. I mean, when, when you look at the media right now, apparently Messi's got like an 83% chance to win the Ballon d'Or. And I'm not surprised by that, especially, like I said, the FIFA bias, the, the media bias that they have toward Messi – I mean, you think about it for the last decade and so on, the Messi versus Ronaldo. Everyone kind of just catered toward Messi because that's what the media does. They pick a good guy, they pick a bad guy. Messi was their good guy, Ronaldo was their bad guy. They're always People want to root for Messi. I want to root for Messi. But Holland just did way too much this year, and it would just be criminal to give it to anyone else but him. Well, thank you, Chloe for joining me on this episode of The Melting Pot. That's going to do it all for us on Friday, the 22nd of September. Make sure you tune in next Friday when I will be joined by Chris Donzaro. We're going to be talking college football. Cupcake games are over. It's big boy season. So looking forward to that episode next week. Thank you for tuning into The Melting Pot. See ya. You've been listening to The Melting Pot, where you can find various guests and sports topics on a weekly basis. Remember, you can find each episode wherever you get your podcast and on JD's website with blog posts corresponding to each episode. See you next Friday.